LIW, The Walking Dead, and Fear the Walking Dead Review. Hello, citizens. Welcome to LIW, Fear the Walking Dead Review. Uh, for episode 102 of Fear the Walking Dead, titled, So Close Yet So Far. Sounds like a Norman Rockwell mug or something. Anyway, so this is episode two of the show. Um, I didn't get to something on episode one that I wanted to, and but because I went so long explaining my history of the series. So, but this show, this episode, and the rest of them are going to be a little shorter than the first one. They're going to be about half an hour, I think. If not, I'll make it half an hour. So, fuck it, let's go. Um, is that the first episode was named Pilot, and I, I know what most shows do that, but I really wish they wouldn't. It really does bother me. I. I, I get why they do it. It's a pilot, and you know they make it during pilot season. But this, they knew was going to take off, so I don't get why they'd even bother with it. Um, the first show didn't do that. The first, the first Walking Dead didn't fuck around, and they didn't know it was going to be a hit. So I don't get why they would even do it with this one. Because the first one, the first season, episode one of the the Walking Dead is called Days Gone By, right? They never have a one called Pilot. Like I know, most cartoons don't. I don't know some shows do or don't. It just kind of bothers me when two thousand shows the first episode's called Pilot, and I know it's the pilot episode. Don't care. Just go ahead and tentatively name it Pilot, and then go ahead and rename it later. You can do that once you go to series. Nobody fucking nobody's gonna stop you. Really, I don't. Does Pilot really sum? Unless you're fucking wings, was Pilot episode gonna sum up the the story that you tell in your first episode? I don't fucking think so. Um, let's get into this one though. Uh, so close yet so far. Um, it does pick up where the first episode left off. Um, Alicia goes to Matt's house. It's destroyed. It looks like someone fucking ransacked it. And then she does the oh my god thing. And she's freaking out. And she finds Matt. And, uh... Yeah, he he doesn't look too good. Um, like I, like I was saying last last episode. Hopefully, you didn't, I didn't spoil anything. The black men in this show don't fare too well. They don't, because the drug dealer in the last episode was the first like victim that you see. Because the, his girlfriend, Nick's girlfriend, in the first scene of episode one, you don't see her as human, so you don't really think of her as a victim. You just think of her as a zombie. But his drug dealer, you do see as a person, and then you see him be like pretty much become a zombie, and he's black. And then here we go again. Okay, the next two zombies are black. All three zombies that we've seen. Okay, to be fair, you don't see Matt become a zombie yet, but he's he's dead though. He's Deadsville. Population three black men. I'll get to the third one. Matt's number two. Anyway, Alicia's there. She's freaking out. She's all over him, and she's trying to help him. And it's like, dude, bitch, the dude's sweating balls, and he's fucking, he looks disgusting, and there's a virus going around. Go ahead and leave him alone. I know you, you're concerned. Um, and they kind of leave off where on Travis here and the family in the car. They just killed the drug dealer, and they immediately show them whip out into traffic in a way that suggests he wants to kill his whole family. Because he whips his truck around into the road in a semi-truck, like a fucking big rig, nearly crushes them to death. And to be fair, maybe he should have. I don't know. If you're going to drive like that, you kind of deserve it. The zombie you, you guys just killed or went after, 
is, isn't like uh, Michael Lewis. He's not going to run after you. So just go ahead and, you know, drive away. You don't have to. He, he drives like a fucking maniac, like a goddamn psychopath with his family in tow. It's just not very responsible. Anyway, it cuts back to uh, Matt's fever, and they, they call her. Madison calls her on the phone, Alicia, that is, and she's like, Matt's fever's at 103. His parents are in Vegas. And I'm like, that is such a movie trope. I don't, then again, I'm not from the West Coast, but I rarely had a time when my parents were like, where someone called me, and I'm like, oh, this shit's going wrong, but my parents are here. They're not, our parents are somewhere else. They're not at home. That's never fucking once happened to me. It's, I've only seen it in movies, or The Simpsons, like where Lisa babysits Bart, and then he breaks his arm, and he's unconscious, and she has to do the wheelbarrow thing. And like American Dad did that. Um, with the same exact plot, pretty much, but I love that show. But yeah, yeah, I see that a lot in like movies and TV, but not so much ever in real life. I've never once heard a story of someone's fucking life falling apart when their parents were out of town, or like a house party movie, uh, can't hardly wait type deal. The parents going to Vegas, pretty cliche. I don't know. They set it up in the last episode though, so thank God. Um, let's see. They 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 move on from that, and then they're like. Let's see. They, uh, sorry, Chris, which is Travis's son, um, ignores his dad's phone call because he's a stereotypical movie kid. He's like the, like, that's another stereotype in these, these movies and shows and stuff is the kid who's like, when the dad isn't 100,000% what the kid wants him to be, so they go, fuck you, old man. I don't care. You don't even like me. You were never there. Travis seems pretty on the ball, as far as I'm concerned. As far as what I've seen so far, Travis seems fine. His, him and his mom, him and Chris's mom didn't work out, and that really seems to be about it. And this fucking kid could not be any more of a pile of shit to him. He ignores his phone call and heads out into the, into the world, I guess. I don't, we'll get there. He's on a bus at this point, and a bus full of horrible assholes. I don't know. This is, I know LA's a piece of shit. I lived there for a while when I went to film school, but holy shit, these guys in this this bus are something else. Uh, but he's like a stereotypical movie kid, where he's like the the kids in War of the Worlds, that the fucking the boy, where they just, I'm going th- like the typical, I'm going through my teenage angst. Therefore, I hate Papa. I hate my dad. You know, I don't. I do get the teenage angst. But I'm so sick of seeing it this way, where, oh, there was divorce, therefore, fuck you, old man, fuck you, mom, too, goddamn, like a Chris Titus skit, I don't, I don't, it bothers me, whatever, though, this fucking kid can go fuck himself, really, anyway, um, let's say they, Travis and, uh, what's her name, Madison and uh, Nick show up at Alicia's boyfriend's house, Matt, and they're like, you gotta fucking leave him, man, he's like, we can't be near him. She's like, if he has it, I have it. I hate Alicia, by the way. She is a stuck-up cunt. But she's like, I can't leave him. And Matt's like, Matt realizes what's happening, and he's like, I'm melting inside. My brains are turning into liquid goo. Go ahead and leave. I won't mind. You should probably get away from me. I'm starting to get a craving for human flesh. And then they, he keeps touching her little drawing that he did in the first episode. And uh, she leaves him. And I was like, she fought real hard and then was like, eh, yeah, as long as he says I can go. Like, he's that he's got that short of a leash on her, I think. 
a leisure on. Uh, wow, I sound like I said a leisure. What's her name? Um, let's see. They all arrive at their house. Um, Travis, Madison, Nick, and Alicia now. And uh, the neighbors are throwing a fucking birthday party for the ages. And they're like, they have an inflatable castle made out of crayons. And then uh, they, the fucking guy's like, you know, doing shit in the yard. And his wife's like, hey, you know, the virus, you know, it's, nobody wants to come. So, you know, if you want to, feel free to stop by later. And I'm like, that was the most lackluster invite I've ever heard in my life. That was like the, uh, at the end of a party when you go to leave and someone's like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. We should get together for coffee. And you go, yeah, 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 let's do that. Let's do that. You know, you, you go up like four or five octaves and you're like, yeah, we're going to do that. You got my number, right? No? Okay, you got my number. Bye. Like, you you don't give a shit. You're not going to really... You have no plan for follow-through. That's what this invite was. Because Travis is like, yeah, 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 we'll be there. And then they all get inside. But he sees Peter, his next-door neighbor, packing up his car. And he's like, Peter's got the right idea. And Madison sees him coughing. And I'm like, oh, shit's not going right with Peter. We're going to see this later. And, uh... They cut to Travis cleaning his car with a rag and hose in like three seconds. He's like, and wipes off the drug dealer's blood from earlier. Uh, and I was like, holy shit, there's no dent. There's no trace. You can you can hit a human being in this truck. Being, not being. In this truck and just no evidence of it in three seconds. That's pretty good. That's a nice truck. That's, that should be their commercials. I'd buy that truck if they advertise it that way. Uh, but Travis is on the phone with his ex-wife, uh, Liza, who is, I forget her character name, in Orange is the New Black. Uh, she's one of the Mexicans in the prison. Um, she's a stuck-up bitch also in this show. She's so on his ass immediately. He's just like, he calls and he's like, where's Nick? I'm just, I'm just curious where Nick is. She's like, I don't know. You don't have him today. You said I could have him. In, in episode one, he said... He basically, like, keep him because his son Nick was being a dick to him. So this bitch is like, I feel like whenever I describe women, I call him a bitch or a cunt. But they were, this show really is negative towards women. They're all, Madison has switched where she's more of a sympathetic figure and she's more, she's stronger and she's actually building, like, a character. And I kind of start to, I'm starting to like her. So I'm not anti-women at all. I'm anti Let's make the woman a bitch because she's not giving the man what he wants. Like because that's what Liza does, that's what the fucking daughter does. I, I just it bothers me. It really does. But even the guy later, I'll get to him. Um, what's his name? I'll think of his name. Don't worry. I don't think they show him this episode. I might be thinking of episode three. We'll get there. Anyway, she she's like Liza's like he's not here. You sitting at him, and he's like I'm fucking showing up there. And then uh. They're all back at the house, and fucking Nick's going through withdrawals like crazy. You know, he's a, he's a heroin addict. You know, he's got some problems. He's got problems for real, bro. And uh, Madison's like, he needs drugs. He needs some fucking Vicodin or Percocets or something to wean him off the drugs. So she's like, I don't have anything. At least she's like, what about my Vicodin for my wisdom teeth or some bullshit? And Madison's like, oh, that, no, we, we got, I threw that away just to show how anti-drug she is. Or she's like trying to cleanse the house in case Nick stumbles in there in the middle of the night looking for to score some pain medicine. I don't know. But Madison's like, I know where to get some. And she, she fucking leaves her son going through withdrawals with her bullshit asshole daughter. And I was like, maybe you should 
take them all. Or just let him go through the pain. I don't know. She's not the best person. But she's like, yeah, I'll take care of him. Mom, don't worry. I'm on top of this. I can take care of him. I got it. And then the second Madison leaves, Alicia tries to leave immediately. She tries to go fuck off to her boyfriend's house, whose name I deleted on my computer just now as I'm going through the notes, so I forgot it. Let's just call him BF. I don't know his fucking name. I forgot. But she goes to his. She tries to go to his house, and he's like, "You can't go." Nick's like, "You can't go. I'll go to Charles." She's like, "I gotta go. You gotta go be with him." And he's like, "Oh," and he fucking vomits everywhere. So she's like, "God damn it!" She doesn't really stay to take care of her brother. She stays more angry that she has to clean the carpet. That's what I felt. She didn't really seem to care. She she seems to be in a world of her own. She's a, she's really stuck up. I know she's a teenager in this, but goddamn, a little compassion. It's your brother. I get that you're a boyfriend, but you just left him. You left him 22 minutes ago. I'm assuming there's traffic and stuff, which there probably was because the apocalypse is happening. There's you always traffic in those movies, in those scenes. Anyway, um, the fucking Travis. He's driving to his to Liza's house and he sees these cops filming. There's one cop, I think, filling his trunk, just full of it, just filling it with water. And you kind of get them. I like that scene. I like scenes like that because it lets you know what they're thinking without saying a word. Because it's just like Travis looks at him and he goes, ah, shit, we're fucked. Even the cops are fleeing. The cops are thinking about themselves at this point. We're, shit's going downhill. It's not going to be good. I like that sort of stuff. So Madison, they show Madison arrive at the school. She's trying to steal drugs from the lockup. Instead of, like, looking for a key for a sec, she just immediately starts to pry it open, the, the drug locker. I guess they have a drug locker. I think it's just, like, whatever they take from the kids, whatever they confiscated. She's, like, sticking a, I don't know what the fuck it was, a baseball bat, crowbar, who knows, into the, between the doors and, like, prying it open. I'm like, there's got to be an easier way at this point. Maybe use whatever you're doing to break the lock off. Those things don't last. Those things are so flimsy. <clears throat> Anyway, she's trying to get the drug. She grabs some. And then she turns around and gets scared because Tobias is standing there. Because he's a fucking psychopath. The kid's psycho. Did I get... I got that in the last episode. This kid is crazy. He seems like a real terrorist. And he goes... First thing out of his mouth is, So can I get my knife? And I'm like, God damn, kid. All he cares about is his knife. Okay, and one more thing. Which they kind of answered, but it still kind of bothered me. Should I get there before? Oh, fuck it. Oh, I'll ruin it. Doesn't matter. I'm, it's in my notes. It's, it's coming up here in a minute. Tobias is there to get his knife. Came all the way to the school to get his knife out of a locker, which is locked. And I'm like, how many fucking knives did you pass to get to this special knife? Did your grandpa give it to you? Did your dad? Because the kid claims to have no family, really. Nobody really cares. That's why he's on his own. But... Maybe I, re- maybe I just read into that wrong because he does grab a bunch of canned food. So maybe he's, I don't know, maybe he's trying to support his family. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just guessing at this point because they don't explain anything about him except the fact he loves his fucking knife. Be- and, and why that knife? There's so many knives in the world. There are so many knives. He's not even looking for a gun. He wants his knife. This kid's not fucking around. He is terrifying. 
I feel like he shows up every day looking for a knife there and just happens to have one in lockup today. He just seems like this is so ritual for him. Um, they do. They cut back to Chris, who's walking around the streets, and he kind of joins like this zombie Ferguson thing. And what happened was a cop shot a zombie, a walker, if you will, or whatever they call them in this version of the show. I don't know. They... Uh, the cop shot him, and then everyone else around him, all the citizens are like, this is bullshit, man. And they give him a weird little finger. And then they're like, this is fucking bullshit. You killed that man. He was unarmed. You never heard a fly. I'm like, how do you know this much about a stranger? But then it kind of turns into Ferguson, where the people start rioting, and then the zombies show up a little bit, and then the cops kind of shoot him. And the whole time, Chris is arguing on the phone with his dad while he's videotaping this. And I'm like, God damn, keep your priorities straight. You're either videotaping this, or you're arguing with your dad. One of the two, not both. Because otherwise your videotape is going to be, fuck you, dad, god damn. And then the guy getting shot in the background is like, fuck you, daddy, I don't need you. Like, like if you're going to turn this into the, the news and get money from it, because you don't know about the zombie apocalypse, that was your plan, that people aren't going to want to hear your daddy issues while they're watching the news. Maybe they take out the sound, I don't know. Um, but Travis arrives at Liza's house, and Liza does another movie thing where she goes, I wonder where Chris is, and she turns on the TV, and then while Travis is still on the phone with him, and then she goes, she's watching the news, and it's like, local police have shot a man, and the LA, LAPD's out of control, and then like, she's like, I know where Chris is, and they all leave. I was like, holy shit. If life were that simple, like, I think in a movie, if you ever get your family, like a, your daughter kidnapped, Go ahead and turn the TV because it's going to give you some fucking clues. It is going to tell you exactly where to find her. It's probably just going to flash an address to the kidnapper's warehouse. Because that's apparently how TV works in movies and TV. You can just turn it on and it just leads you there. It just kind of gives you the script at that point. You can you can circumvene the um, you know looking in the FBI and stuff. You can just go straight there. But I was like, holy shit, that was convenient. I guess, is it, because there's no way this is the only spot this is happening in the city. It's a massive city. There's got to be tons of this going on. And she just found the exact spot. She knows exactly where he is. Maybe she did like a, she knew he wrote, I knew he wrote the bus. And he probably took this line down this road, like down Wilshire. So maybe he's, in, well, I don't know, like Fairfax. I don't know. Maybe. I guess he's here, and then, oh, the, oh, hey, the news is right here. It's also right here. It's also right here. But this one's on this bus line, so he probably went to this one first, and then he went to this one, and then he probably got tired of that one because it wasn't any action, so he probably went to this one. And I don't know what was going on in her fucking mind. They didn't explain any of it. She just kind of looked at the TV and went, I know where he is. I was like, oh, that was convenient. That was whatever. I kept the plot moving, so I guess that's all that matters. Then they cut back to uh, Tobias and Madison, and then... Tobias is stealing canned food like a fucking bank heist. He's stealing the... He has one of those, like... You know the guys that carry on projectors in school? These two? They have, like, those little carts. Those little AV carts. He's got one of those filled with food. And he's just rolling around with it. And I'm like, God damn, this kid's prepared. I, I hope he doesn't have any loved ones and he's just looking out for, for numero uno. He's just... Just food for himself. And he's like, you, you should get some canned food. She goes, we got food. I was like, God damn, bitch. He's just trying to help you. Um, but then they go into the principal's office. Not really sure why. I kind of forgot. And then they set this thing up in episode one 
where the principal has like this giant it reminded me of like those things when you ever watch like 1950s like AT&T or like Pacific Bell commercials so shit like that where you see like and the next new new technology coming out and you see like a you see this this line of women in front of this machine and they just plug and unplug wires to transfer phone calls you know the operator basically she'd be like oh one moment please and she'll plug it in and be like all right whiskey tango you could talk like I don't know but it was like one of those in his office and it was like he could and he goes well I have to listen to I have to check up on my teachers once a week or once a month or whatever. And he did this in episode one. And he goes, you can hear him over at headphones. And you, you're like, oh, he's listening to the classroom. He has like the, each classroom bugged, like the fucking feds. And he's listening in on it. And that's how he does his administrating. And I'm like, you lazy cocksucker. You piece of shit. Go into the classroom. How, how distant do you have to be? To do that, he's like a weirdo in his office, like huddled over, listening on headphones, like in his fucking Beats by Dre. Um, not because he's black. That's not why I'm saying that. Um, anyway, they they go in there to his office, and he's he's not there, and they hear like, Rawr! and they're like, "Where is that?" And like, it's my office, my classroom. And then they go in the hallway, and then they see um, Artie, the the principal. And then it was, he's a zombie. And you're like, ooh, three dead black men in a row. Not a single other race in there. And I was like, holy shit, dude, calm down, show. Like, take it easy. I mean, the drug dealer, zombie, the boyfriend is black. He's not a zombie yet, but he's he's dead. He's going to be a zombie. And then the, the Artie, the next guy they show as a zombie is also a black man. And guess what about the next two? Well, you know what? Peter was white. So I guess there we go. Anyway, we'll get there. Um, let's see. Um, see, the, the, the problem with uh, this show is the better it is, the more action-packed, the less I have to talk about because it's actually good. And you can't really sit there and talk about action that much, action movies. Like, I've been doing LIW movie review for two years now, and the action movies are hard. Like, if it's a good action movie, it's really hard to review because you're like, and then he, like, was running, and uh, it was really cool, and it was, like, a really valid plot point, what he was doing. And, you know, it's really hard, though. But if it's a shitty action movie, like, Time Cop's a good one, where it's action, but it's schlocky, and it's schlocky as fuck. But this episode, I was, I was actually pleased with. It moved along nicely. Um, so when Artie showed up as a zombie, though, I was like, here we go, we're gonna have, like, a nice fight scene, we're gonna have a, oh, this is gonna be great, and what happens is, he grabs Madison, and then they roll down the stairs, or Tobias and him roll down the stairs eventually, and then he's, like, gonna eat Tobias, and I'm like, holy shit, this kid's gonna die already, and then Madison grabs a fire extinguisher and starts beating the shit out of him, like, in that movie, um, Irreversible, um, that French movie, where he crushes this guy's skull into the pavement and then breaks his arm backwards. It's fucking brutal. Do not watch that movie. Terrible. There's a savage, I want to say 10-minute anal rape scene in that movie before he bashes her face in the pavement. It's a brutal movie. Don't watch it. Anyway, in this one, she just kills him with a fire extinguisher. End of story. And I was like, oh, we got our first, like our one of our protagonists killed somebody, a zombie already. Because Travis hasn't done shit but drive around and make phone calls. So I'm like, oh, Madison is going to be like our hero. 
But I also feel like she could die at any moment, and that would be okay. Not for, like, me, like, I want her to die, but I mean, like, I feel like it's kind of like a false, like a red herring, like a, oh, here's your lead of the movie. Oh, no, it wasn't. Ah, it's really Travis and Alicia and all these people. I feel like they could do that, and I, I wouldn't be that surprised. Um, but I don't know what they're going to go with that. Um, okay, here's where we get to the one guy. I forget his fucking name, though. I have it written down. There it is. Okay, got it. Um, it cuts to, uh, you know, they all, Travis and Liza grab Chris from the streets after shit starts going down the cops start shooting random people. And then they, they run and they beg the shop owner to let him into his barber shop. And, uh, excuse me, um, I'm just so sad about this. Um, but they let him in, and they're like, they immediately start to like order this family around. So Daniel, the guy who runs the shop, is like, mm, calm down. Like my family's here. I let you in, you know, on the kindness of my heart. Like, come on, like fucking calm down, bro. He doesn't say it like that. He doesn't talk like that. Neither do I actually. So I don't know why I talk like that. But it cuts back to Madison. It keeps going back and forth between them two, basically the whole episode between Madison, what she's doing, and Travis. So we got like a, a double hander. We got a dual fister. Uh, but she's like, Madison's like, uh, you know, what are you going to do when this ends? Where, where are you going to go until this all ends? And Travis goes, or Tobias, excuse me, Tobias goes, this doesn't end. And again, as I mentioned in episode one of this show, he has what I call Pollock's Troy disease, where he knows exactly what's happening at all times. It's like Tobias, the character, read the script for this show, and he goes, oh, there's fucking zombies and shit, and... Let's see here, page episode six. Oh, does not get any better. Oh, shit. I'm fucked. We're all fucked. Going to go ahead and grab some canned food. He didn't, I don't know if he dies or not, but he didn't read into that. Who knows? Um, anyway, I, Travis scares me, or Tobias scares me. He really does. He seems to know exactly what's happening, and he almost seems like he might be in on it at this point. Like I think I said that in the last episode. I'm not really sure. But I just feel like something's going on with this fucking kid. I want to know what his home life's like. Because it's got to be sad as shit. It's got to be sadder than those Sarah McLachlan dog commercials. Like with the the dog with the one eye and the missing a leg. And it's just sitting there with stitchings on his face. And it's the saddest shit. And it makes a grown man cry. That and Sarah McLachlan's weird face. But I want, to, I want, to follow, I want a Fear the Tobias Family show. Where it's kind of like, I imagine it's kind of like Leatherface's family, where it's just a collection of weirdos and psychopaths, and they all just sit around eating people's faces. Uh, I would love to watch that show. I would put it on TLC as a reality show, and I would watch it nonstop. And that's just all I feel about that. Anyway, we're getting close to the end here. Um, Travis and Madison, they finally get a hold of each other. And it's the most irritating phone call ever because TV shows and movies have to do a thing where women are panicky and needy and if you don't answer them in one quarter of a second, you are getting yelled at. Because she's like, on the phone with him, she's like, where are you? And he's like, oh, we're in a, we're in a shop downtown and they let us in. And there's an explosion outside from the riots that she hears over the phone. She goes, what was that? What was that? Tell me what that was. I was like, holy shit, calm down. She gave him like no time to talk and would not stop demanding that he, he tell her what that was. And then the phone gets cut off after they hear a gunshot 
And then she stares at her phone for a full minute and just staring at it. And I'm like, you, it's a, it, he hung up. That's it. That's all you do. That's all you really got to do at all. And then she looks out the window and the, the birthday party across the street. It turned out to be not so much fun because Peter's attacking him. He starts eating their goddamn faces. <laughs> it was like, holy shit. That's awesome. I wish I would have showed that scene like fully, but that's fine. But, uh, yeah, I want to keep this at half an hour, and here we are. Look at that. The last plot point I had, my, la- my last note. So that was episode two of the Fear the Walking Dead. So close yet so far, episode 102. Um, I will be back later for episode 103, The Dag. Um, the dog. I was quoting Snatch. Dag. The Dag. Anyway, I am Phoenix West. Check out, uh, I almost said WWW, like it's 1998. Um, check out loiteringerwonderland.com and go to our Facebook page, um, loiter- you know, facebook.com slash loiteringerwonderland. We're selling shirts on T-Chip for 23 bucks. It might sound expensive, but all of that money goes back into the show. They're awesome shirts. They have two sides. Front side has a logo. Back side says, um, what's it say? An audio, an audible audio Audible audio podcast sounds for your listening ears of hearing, I believe, something like that. But twenty-three bucks, uh, black, white, red, gray, green, pink, yellow—all these colors—they're awesome. They're all going to go back into the show, all the money, and we'll buy cameras and we can start new videos for you guys. It'll be funny. So thanks, guys, and I'll see you later, citizens. So long. <laughs>